0: Hello and welcome back to the Scriptures Are Real. I'm your co-host today, Lamar Neumeyer, and this is my other co-host, Gary Mulesine. You see, Gary, a lot more than you see me, but that's okay. Um, yeah. I'm, uh, I'm gonna hope to be. I'm happy to be here, and uh, hope we can set some good things up and and have a good discussion about Daniel. Uh, I'm,
1: I'm happy to be here doing it with you.
0: You're in a different spot today, Gary, but that's all right.
1: Yeah, yeah, my normal little recording spot is occupied by someone else right now. So,
0: <laughs> all right, I'm in the front the, room, got to book the studio time. All right, well, great. Yeah. Today, we're going to be in Daniel one through six for the come follow me um reading. And there, uh, Carrie, there's a lot to cover in here, and I don't know how much we're going to get through today, but uh, let, let's give it a shot. Let's set up it, set it up first. Now, I know if, if people have been following your uh other podcasts uh through um. Jeremiah, and so forth, you've talked about the, the, the different um, attacking armies. Now, when I was with you last time, we were talking about the Assyrians who were, who were uh, coming in, and, and Isaiah was, was talking about the Assyrians. But now, the Assyrians were finally beaten off, and they went back home, and then the Babylonians come. But let's set it up. Uh, you, give us a recap of what you talked about in Jeremiah, and uh, yeah. how that ties yeah. into to these chapters.
1: Well, it sounds great. And, and yeah, we want to give kind of a little bit of a different emphasis to this one. But uh, the background for the beginning of Jeremiah and Daniel and Ezekiel are all about the same because it's the same events, the same place. Right. So I did quite a bit in Ezekiel as well. But um, but I, I think you have a good point. It's easy because we did the history books so long ago and now we're doing the prophetic books and we do uh, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel. To kind of mix it all together with isaiah especially where we spent five weeks on isaiah mm-hmm. but isaiah like the the miraculous rescue of jerusalem is about 700 bc 701 bc and most of what we're talking about now and and with jeremiah ezekiel and daniel is about 600 bc so we're a hundred years later and the assyrian empire has fallen right and And sometimes a hundred years seems like a small amount of time when we're thinking Old Testament stuff because we're dealing with such huge things. But also think about how many things can happen in a hundred years. Like think of right. everything that's happened since nineteen twenty two right? Uh, we've had the world's changed,
0: oh, yeah, right? and
1: yeah. and the big uh, you know uh, it, Germany was a big, powerful threat in the you know early nineteen hundreds and mid nineteen hundreds that no, no one's worried about Germany taking over the world right now, um, right? So the, the that's just an example of how these things can change. So the Assyrian army or the Assyrians were conquered by Babylon. And it's important to note for the book of Daniel, uh, some history that we uh, didn't cover with uh, Ezekiel or Jeremiah, because Daniel was younger than they were. So while his story starts at around that same time, he lives a, a longer than they do. So. Part of the book of Daniel is takes place after the Persians conquer the Babylonians. So you have him serving in the Babylonian Empire, then you have him serving in the Persian Empire. All right, so we want to know both of those histories. Um, so when the Babylonians come and they, they uh, Judah becomes a, a, a vassal state as they switch allegiance under Jehoiakim from the Egyptians to the Babylonians. But he switches allegiance and then pretty soon he rebels. And so the Babylonians have to come in under King Nebuchadnezzar and they they sack Jerusalem. This is not the time they destroy the temple, but they do take some treasures from the temple and put it in their temple as a sign that their God is more powerful and that they've they've controlled the country and so on. And when they do that, they take a bunch of people with them and there are two kinds or, or groups of people that they take. Um, they, they're they're taking in general, it's the elite and the 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 powerful and so on, and so they take the the biggest majority of those and they just have them settle in a town by the Khabar River and that's the group that Ezekiel is with, but they take some young, very elites to the court, and this is a practice actually the Egyptians had started this practice like a thousand years before that, and the idea is that you take. Um, some of the, the royalty and, and others who will uh, be, would have been huge influences in the kingdom you've conquered, and you raise them in your court, uh, in your culture, so that, A, they, they feel grateful for you that you know, the king becomes their, their guy who's taking care of them, so there's a father figure, so you're thoroughly familiar with that culture, and so on, and there are two reasons for this. One, you end up with people, uh, if you're the king of Babylon, you end up with people in your court, who uh, can advise you, they know their, the, their culture they came from well enough that they can advise you and, and help you understand that. Right, and the
0: customs, traditions, and so forth.
1: Exactly right. And if you need to, if you have problems with the rulers were there and you need to depose them and send someone back to be king, then you have some royalties and people who they might accept as being kings or rulers or elite, um, but that, know the Babylonian culture and hopefully are are ingratiated to the Babylonians. And so they will be good representatives for you. Um, So that's exactly what happens is he takes a handful of uh, young elites and raises them in his court. And that's Daniel and his friends. That's so they come over to Babylon about the same time as Ezekiel, but they're younger and they end up in a different place. They end up in Babylon rather than out in the, the kind of wilderness area where the rest of the Jews are settled.
0: Right. Yeah. So yeah, you, have, you get a good allegiance that way, and you also get a good mix of, you know, intel. Right. So you get yeah. some intel, yep. and then you get some allegiance there. So it's it's a pretty smart strategy. It works pretty well.
1: Yeah, and then of course the the Persians will end up doing the same thing. When the Persians said the the Babylonians, um, when they overthrew Assyria, part of the way they did it is they got the Medes and the Persians, who were all these uh, kind of some semi nomadic tribes that hadn't uh they were fighting with each other as much as anything else and he got them to unite and uh help him overthrow assyria but the problem was he he awakened a sleeping giant because they realized that when they united they were pretty powerful so it wasn't very long before they came and bit the hand that fed them fed them right and they they overthrew the babylonian empire and uh and that's the persians so the medes were kind of the lead group when the babylon first got these things going over in what's today Iran um, and uh, the the Medes were but the Persians took over the Medes and then took over everybody and, and said, created the largest empire that existed for a very 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 long time, a long time. one that even the Romans weren't able to fully take over
0: you see the beginnings of that in uh, I think in chapter Daniel chapters eight seven eight nine somewhere there you see the beginnings of that where some of those vassal lords are thrown over yeah and uh, so yeah so there's a lot of history. And, and of course, if you're following along, you know, the Book of Mormon is about the same time, right? 600 BC yeah. is roughly when, in fact, you pointed it out in, in uh, one of your earlier uh, episodes um, uh, with Brother Shannon. I think it was, I think it's where it was. Anyway, uh, you talked about uh, that um, Jeremiah and uh, Lehi are contemporaries. And they're probably in Jerusalem and probably are aware of each other, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, I would guess so. And and uh, I would guess that Lehi is aware of Ezekiel. Ezekiel may or may not be aware of Lehi because I, I, I don't have the impression that Lehi's ministry in Jerusalem was that long. The, the time between when he's called to start to preach repentance and when he's told to leave doesn't seem like it's a long period of time. So I don't know how much word traveled back to Ezekiel, but I'm sure uh, that Lehi knew about Ezekiel. So the interesting thing is, it's a little bit hard to pinpoint um, whether Lehi is leaving before this first Babylonian cat conquest of Jerusalem and the taking away of elites into into Babylon. Um, and, and if he leaves before, then he's probably I mean, Ezekiel hasn't started his ministry yet, so he wouldn't be aware of Ezekiel. Right. Um, or it may be that it's, it's like five years after. So some people would suggest that Daniel goes into, we have, we have a hard time establishing really good dates for some of these things. So some people would say he goes into Babylon around 600 BC. Some people would say around 605 BC. And and that's actually kind of crucial for this question, because that means that it may be before or after Lehi leaves right. uh, and, and so on. And uh, it's hard for us to know exactly what all Lehi experienced in terms of what was happening in Jerusalem and the Babylonians. Uh, to know exactly you know was he there for one of the conquests did he leave before any of those things and and we we can't tell exactly
0: right there's several different battles that are happening so we don't know if, if, if dan yeah like you said it he could have been taken before or after but it's I don't even know. Do you even know how many battles happened before Jerusalem is actually sacked and the temple destroyed? And I mean, is there any way to tell that?
1: Well, there are a few, but there, there are two key ones that are the, the first conquest and the second one. So the first one is around 600 or 605. You get different dates. And then the destruction is about 586. So a number of years later where you've got these years where Jehoiakim and then Zedekiah are subservient to um Babylon uh and Lehi leaves somewhere right in there I mean we have this date like 600 years before the time of Christ does that mean exactly 600 or about yeah, it 600? Says approximately, it right and 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 when he gets that I mean he's in the wilderness for eight years does he get that like two years in three years in right and and honestly those years are th- th- that uncertainty of those just two or three years means he was or wasn't in Jerusalem when it was right it was conquered, right? So we just can't tell.
0: We're pretty sure he left before the temple was destroyed because it wasn't destroyed, when he left. Yeah, no, he's
1: he's he's definitely gone before the 586 one, which right. is the big one with the destruction and taking away everyone else. And and you remember Jacob says that he's had a revelation that that happened. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're, they're definitely not there for that one. But the first one, the one where Daniel would have been taken away, I don't know.
0: Okay, well, that's a good setup for where we find Daniel. So Babylon has come in and taken, like you said, we he's taken uh, into the king's court, and he is he and his his companions are representative of the the, the Judah. So Judah and and the Israelites or what's left of the Israelites is uh, has been is, is represented in the king's court. Now this is funny. Most people will know Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but how come they don't know their we don't emphasize their um, their Hebrew names? Yeah.
1: It's no, true inter- well think. I think I mean the the practical answer is because in the story they're famous for the their uh, uh Babylonian names are what are used, but uh it, right. so they're treated a little bit differently textually than than Daniel is, because with Daniel you they're all given Babylonian names. Uh, and they have these great names, uh, but uh, that are Hebrew names, but they're given Babylonian names. And with Daniel, the text almost always refers to him as Daniel rather than Belteshazzar, his his Babylonian name. But after the first couple times of using the Hebrew names of uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, after that, it uses the the Babylonian names. So we just kind of follow the the text, but I don't know why the text did that. Uh, so anyway, but She's they have pretty cool scene. names.
0: Yeah, so here, real quick, we'll go through this. I just like the names because I think we should know them as their Hebrew names because all their names are based on the, on, on the name of God. So Daniel is something like God is judge.
1: Yeah, yeah. Is, is yeah my, my judge is
0: God, I would say. yeah. My judge is God? Okay, that's a better translation. Yeah, so um, Don
1: or Dan is, is judge, E is, is my, and L is God. So, yeah.
0: Oh, that's perfect. Uh, well, I, I took it out of the Bible dictionary, but the Bible dictionary is not even as clear. This uh-huh. is so good. I like so we need to revise that. All right, good. And then Belteshazzar is—I uh, don't even know what the the name is. The, the closest one I could find is uh, "protect his life" or "protect the king." Is is the closest translation I could find. Yeah,
1: but it's but it's based on the Babylonian god Bel. Uh So, right. so you've got—I mean, literally, their names end up with uh, uh, instead of Jehovah as part of their name, they end up with idolatrous gods as part of their name so they probably weren't right. huge fans of it but
0: <laughs> well yeah and hananiah so the, the three companions to daniel are hananiah mishael and azariah which hananiah is god has favored uh mishael is um uh something like who, who is god or god is it's kind of like a god is great but i'm not sure exactly yeah. how to say that it's who is god it's kind of basically saying this is my god um, yeah, yeah, You have a better translation for that?
1: No, I, I mean, it, 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 you've got the me uh, like who and the she in there, which is like a relative. So yeah, yeah, I think that's a good translation of it.
0: Oh, so, El Michel, is God. and then and then Azariah, which is Jehovah has helped. So yep. all those ones are named. So I just think it's funny that we know the uh, their 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 idolatrous sort of names, but we don't uh, we don't focus on their Hebrew names. We should focus on the Hebrew names: Hananiah, Michelle, and Azariah. And uh, that's the three companions. Well, so and that we well, that these... brings
1: up maybe another point that's worth pointing out with Daniel, sure. if, if that's all right, that that Daniel is uh, uh, the book is an interesting book in a number of ways, uh, in, including uh, this book is written in Aramaic. Uh, it's one of the few books that's written in Aramaic rather than Hebrew. Uh, it has some Hebrew in it. And, and that's interesting. I think it represents exactly what's going on, because. Um, the Babylonian Empire, they've started Aramaic has become their language and and it becomes like the lingua franca because Babylon conquers all this area, it becomes the the language that everyone speaks. So actually after the Babylonian captivity, the Jews will speak Aramaic. They'll maintain Hebrew as the literary or the liturgical language, right? That's what the Bible's in is, is Hebrew, but they will speak Aramaic. They actually change the alphabet. So when you learn Hebrew today, you learn the Aramaic alphabet. So they, the Aramaic and Hebrew are very, very similar. They're very close. It's, I would say, even closer than say Spanish and Portuguese. They're, they're very close, um, and and they have the same alphabet, but different characters in the alphabet. So, um, so it, it would be a little bit like using the Greek alphabet to write English is what they start doing. They start using the Aramaic uh, alphabet to write Hebrew, and. Um, and that's lasted so long that all the Hebrew texts you would read today uh, and, and the way it's written in Israel today or uh, you know, throughout the Middle Ages or anything, it's actually Aramaic um, uh, script, we should say, Ar- Aramaic script. So what they wrote before that is an older script that most people who learn Hebrew never even see or never even know. It's changed. Everything changed so fundamentally at, at this time. So. But they start to speak Aramaic, and that's Daniel is written in Aramaic, um, and Daniel is, uh, it's confusing in some ways, so like the the first half, or yeah, the first half of the book is written in third person. It's stories about Daniel, uh, except for chapter four, which seems to be written by the king of Babylon, Uh, at least that's how it's portrayed to us. And then (laughs) once you get chapter seven, verse two, which we don't do for Come, Follow Me, but. But in the book, once you get there, it's written first person as if Daniel himself is writing it. Right. Uh, so it's this hodgepodge of stuff. We don't know when it's compiled. We don't know who's doing it, what kind of sources they're drawing on. Just a, a lot of uh, interesting and, and somewhat confusing stuff going on in there, but but pretty fun.
0: Yeah, there there are a few dates that don't match exactly with antiquity, uh, but we yeah. don't know exactly. what They could be referring to something different or it could have been they could have combined the the dates incorrectly. So we yeah. don't want to get too sidetracked on, on, on the mistakes there, but it's, this is what happens in, when you're compiling records, you know, even more, yeah. says, if I've made some mistakes, it's the mistakes of men. So it yeah. doesn't take away from the, 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 the spirit of the scriptures, but think. Yeah,
1: and it is, it is worth noting. It is hard to reconcile a couple of dates and also the, or, the order of some of the Persian Kings that they speak about and, and who, who they, some of it just doesn't, it's hard to make it match up with what we know from other sources. I don't know if, I mean, the other sources may be we don't know as well as we'd like. I think the most likely explanation is exactly what you're saying, that probably whoever is compiling this, and it may be a group of people, that they're not super familiar with Persian history. All right. They've got Daniel's letters. Uh, they've got some other things written and they're putting it together. But as they provide the kind of commentary that ties it all together. Uh, they're a little weak on their history also when <laughs> they they make some mistakes or something like that
0: i found some interesting things on that and we we're talking about the again we're going to be outside the scope of where come follow me is but in chapters uh i think it's uh eight or so when they talk about the uh the, the king then it's not exactly the king but he might have been the second in charge i found some neat stuff on that maybe we'll talk about that in another uh, in another episode but um uh great well so um there are some things that are goofy, but one through six is usually Daniel's one through six are usually understood as the the first the the, the life of Daniel and and the his three companions there, um, and, yeah. and that's that's the historical part. In fact, there's a big jump. I think by the time we get to chapter seven, Daniel would have been in, in his seventies, something yeah. like that. Yeah,
1: uh, he's probably pretty old. He's in um, right the Persian Empire, and hard to know exactly which king. Yeah, but there's a big um,
0: jump, so that's why they usually put 1 through 6 together, because those are all, should roughly be in about the same couple of years-ish. Then, then there's a great big jump between chapters uh, 6 and 7.
1: Yeah, well, and and in some ways, maybe even, there's a jump before chapter 6 as well. So, chapters 1 through 5 are Daniel in, in uh, Babylon. Mm-hmm. Um, and then chapter 6... Is is Darius, uh, who's probably the oh, second right. king of the Persian Empire, although it could be a different Darius or something like that. So we've jumped a number of years to the the Persian Empire in chapter six, and then we get uh, chapter seven, and and later we've got other kings that are quite a bit later in the the Persian right. Empire, and sometimes hard to know unless we said exactly who in the world they are, and it's a very different focus that that's it's what we'd call apocalyptic literature. So we're not reading the the and they are int- i mean i actually really enjoy them but they're kind of crazy um visions and dreams that in many ways mirror what we read in the book of revelation um and uh but they're they're apocalyptic they're these like highly symbolic visionary dreams about the end of the world and and wars and battles well actually in some ways they're about things from his period to the end of the world but yeah so there's there's one jump to chapter 6 and then another big jump to chapter 7 um and and one through five is uh we we include chapter six because everybody loves the story of Daniel in the lion's den so that's why it gets thrown in uh yeah, that's but right. the the first five are in Babylon and that that's when he's young
0: but yeah right and I forgot that uh, that six is, is already in the Persian Empire but that's yeah, but that's a great one he's because he's quite a bit older and if they threw him down the lion's den I mean he's old he's an old guy you know? yeah but uh before we get to, skip too far ahead let's talk about uh, a couple things that um that Hananiah Azariah and uh Michelle um get up to and I I like this is a this is a great one this is sort of uh if you're in if you're learning these stories this is sort of a word of wisdom kind of thing when they first talk about this um where um let's see this is in verse this is in chapter one And they're not allowed. They want to abstain from eating the king's meat or the king's food. This is interesting. It's it really has, in my mind, less to do with actually what the food is. I mean, it might be different. It might be grains or wheats or whatever. But it has more to do, I think, that with the fact that the food that that uh, that they're eating or that that the rest of the the court is eating would be have already been sacrificed to. Other gods or in that kind of thing it would have been blessed by other gods, um, and making it defiled in in the Hebrew,
1: um, yeah,
0: in, in the Hebrew tradition, right?
1: So I think I think there are two issues going on. Um, one is that uh, it, they they can't guarantee it's the the word that uh is used today, and I don't know if they were using this word then or not, but it's kosher, right? And and I mean they were right. using the word, but maybe not in that same way, kashrut that it, it's it's the they can't guarantee that it's not pork or that, I mean, even the way the animal is killed, you can't kill the animal in a way that the um, the blood is going to be in the meat and all these kinds of things. And uh, so they, uh, and you can't cook, um, at least this is the way it's interpreted later. I don't know if they're interpreting it this way in this time period, but you can't cook um, say meat products and, uh, and milk products in the same, area and the same things or you couldn't cook meat and milk because it says you can't cook the the meat in uh, its mother's milk in the law of Moses. Um, So they can't guarantee that any food they're going to be given by these guys is actually kosher. Um, And so they'll basically become vegetarian. So they don't have to worry about all of those different laws about what kinds of meat there, there aren't any laws that say, well, you can eat rye, but you can't eat barley. Right. So if they're getting the, the vegetarian stuff, they're going to be OK. So that's that's part of it. Um, but so
0: I hear I hear all the vegetarians out there. See, it's in the Bible. <laughs> eat me. Yeah. To... <laughs> and that's what I'm saying. I think it, it, definitely eating a good diet is is right. You want to eat things that are good for you and, and avoid some yeah. of the, the rich foods. But it has more to do, I think, with the uh, the obedience to the law that they're under the law of Moses. Right. Exactly what they're eating. I I mean, it's a combination of both, I'm sure. But I'm I'm not sure that we are vindicating all vegetarians and vegans. And and no offense to anybody. It it has nothing to do with that,
1: honestly. It's just that there's one kind of food they can know was prepared in a way that wasn't against the law of Moses and another kind of food that they can't know. That's all that is. Nothing to do with whether, I mean, when they were in Jerusalem, I'm sure they ate plenty of meat. Right, so it's so, not the meat or not; it's the knowledge of how it's prepared. Um,
0: so yeah, that's that's a great that's a great information because, like I said, no offense to anybody who who has a particular dietary style that's great and what you right. should do. But some of the criticisms that people would say against our word of wisdom is, well, it has no prohibition against sugar and and hot drinks. Is that hot chocolate or is it para? Yeah. You know, all those kind of things. And I'm like the point of it is is to do things that are good and we get the blessings from the obedience to it and if there's some things where you need to interpret between hot chocolate and coffee if that's what you need to do well okay you figure that out then you can figure that out on your own um it doesn't need to be prescribed in all these things but we get the blessings by the Mm -hmm. obedience to the law or or to the spirit of that of that law right and i think that's what they're they're getting the blessings from that it's it's not that what they're eating is particularly, um, a better on its own. And it might be. It might be that they're eating better grains or whatever. But the but the main thrust of this is that this is approved by the by the law of Moses. It's it's in obedience to their word of wisdom, basically. Right. And not just because they're eating a particular diet that that can be figured out by us, and then we can figure out this magical diet and it'll cure all your ills.
1: Yeah. No. And I think that they're blessed. Um as they eat what they end up eating, because they're doing it in order to follow right, the, to the, the best of their ability, what God has asked them to do. And as you said, that changes over time. You know, I always talk about, uh, you know, under the law of Moses, um, they could drink wine, but they couldn't eat lobster. And we can eat lobster, but we can't drink wine. And I, right. I honestly don't know who's getting the better deal, because I haven't had <laughs> wine, but I, I quite like lobster. So I'm happy with the way it's worked out. But um, but I don't know. Right. Right.
0: So, exactly. But, and you mentioned it. The, the so, okay. Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. No, no, no. I was just say you, you already covered it. the obedience is, is the law at the time they understand it. things can change from time to time. We follow what the prophets say and we get, we get blessings from that. So anyway, go ahead. That's right.
1: So the, the interesting thing is even with what I just said about why they're doing it, the text doesn't say what they're worried about with the, the king's meat it just says so we look in chapter 1 verse 8 it says Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat and and by meat it it means uh food all right nor with the wine which he drank therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself and and as a result they're given this chance well let's see how you do when you're eating this thing you'd like to eat and, and they do fine um So he doesn't tell us exactly why. So it's us reading into the text, this whole business about kosher laws, although I'm fairly convinced that has to be part of it because that's got to be. And that's why meat instead of uh, vegetables and right, because that's where the the difficult things get. So I'm sure that has to be part of it, but uh, I think you're right. And and this is another thing we can read into the text is this possibility. We don't know we're reading both into the text, but the um, the, even in, in Jerusalem, uh, priestly families and so on and other families, you, you bring your sacrifice to the temple and you make the sacrifice and some of it is going to be, if you're doing a burnt offering, it's going to be burnt up to the Lord. Mm-hmm. But most of it, the priests get a portion and this is how they eat and then the family eats the rest, right? You eat right. sacrifice. Now you know it was killed the right way, you didn't bring a non-kosher animal, so it's great. You know, it's all kosher, it's all good to eat that sacrifice. Um, and it's a sacrifice to jehovah the king is going to be someone who is able to eat of the sacrifices in babylon right so some of the meals that are available in the king's house were surely from animals that were sacrificed to uh marduk or whoever else and um nebu and so on so the the uh The question is, first of all, you don't know that they were killed in a kosher way. And second, if this was a sacrifice to an idolatrous God, you don't want any part of it. Right? This will will end up being an issue even in uh, New Testament times where they're trying to figure out, do Gentiles uh, who have joined the church have to keep kosher laws? And they say, no, they don't. But they shouldn't eat from meals that were sacrificed to an idolatrous God. That's that's the way how they come down on this in the New Testament. And I would guess they felt the same way in the Old Testament. So they um, it doesn't say it for sure in there. But I would guess that that's another concern that Daniel and his his friends have.
0: I agree. I think that's they're getting blessed by the obedience, the obedience portion and staying, keeping themselves separate from, let's call it the world, you know, Babylon. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, separate from Babylon. So that's
1: exactly right.
0: Yeah. So, so keep yourself separate from Babylon, and and uh, you'll do better off. And they are they they are they after it's a short period of time, uh, and they feel it was it two weeks? Is that right? about ten days, I think. Ten days. Ten days. Okay. So and they they are uh, they are are better. They look they look better. They yeah. And they're like, hey, these these guys got it going on. They've got it figured out. So yeah. They uh, so they are elevated. So that's that's the first time when we start seeing uh, the Hebrews getting a little bit of an, uh, an edge in the in the court because they are following the well. We call it the gospel, but they would call it follow the following the the prophets or following the, the law of Moses.
1: Yeah, and and keeping covenant. So we could we keeping could both covenant. agree in both uh, both eras on that phrase that they're keeping covenant.
0: Excellent. And that's what that's what the theme of this whole uh, podcast is about is about keeping the covenant and keeping on the covenant path, and yeah. that's what all the scriptures are about, really, is, this yeah. is the covenant and keep on the covenant path. Okay, so in the to move on here, um, we have well a- maybe we can just
1: highlight verse seventeen as I'm thinking okay. about it. Yeah, um, because what what you get is it says these four children, and this is after the whole story with the that they're gonna just be able to continue to eat according to the way they want to eat Um, and these four children god gave them knowledge and skill in all learning and wisdom so that's they're basically in in school at uh, the court supposed to be able to learn to that so that they can function as useful um court figures for the king of babylon and they're excelling but that then you get the second part there and daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams so they're all being blessed by God, God it, to excel and what they're doing and to learn all sorts of things. But Daniel's got this additional gift that he has visions and dreams that God teaches him things and he understands them. And that of course sets the stage for really the rest of the book of Daniel because we've got, I mean, from chapter seven on, it's like all visions and dreams. But even before that, you get all sorts of visions and dreams going on. Uh, and so that that's uh, a, key transition and and distinction between daniel and even his amazing and worthy friends uh it's and it's not that they're more worthy than dan or that daniel's more worthy than they are I, I don't think so i think he's just got a different role and so he's given a different gift to fulfill his role not that they're one whip behind him in terms of righteousness to kind of paraphrase a book of mormon phrase right Right.
0: yeah yeah right i think that's right and you know it, in a smaller way, it says the knowledge of skill, learning, and wisdom. And in a smaller way, what's the end of the Doctrine and Covenants section 89, which is the Word of Wisdom say And they shall find wisdom and great treasures of knowledge, even hidden treasures. Yeah. So Yep. there we go. So we are, we're given the same type of promise in, in our days. We may not be a prophet or you know interpret dreams or see writing on the wall, but we shall find hidden treasures by, by, um, by following the Word of Wisdom and by keeping ourselves again, out of Babylon, uh, by keeping ourselves with the covenant, um, we are are promised learning ourselves and understanding in things, even hidden treasure. So I think that's also a a neat parallel there.
1: And and maybe this is a, a, well, it is a tangent. It's not a maybe, but a little tangent, but, but I I find it interesting. This is part of how it's, this becomes real to me, right? That we are learning today in a day where we're seeing, uh, really almost plague sized, um, uh, um, epidemic or pandemic of uh mental health difficulties right um that we're we're learning that there is a real connection between what they call the 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 gut brain uh axis and so on that there's a real connection between what's going on in in terms of nutrition and gut health uh biodomes and phages and all sorts of things like that and your brain's ability to produce what the chemicals it needs to function properly in terms of thinking, in terms of understanding, and how you feel, right? Uh, and uh, most parents these days uh, know someone, uh, either in their family or closer family, who's struggling with these issues. And, and, and we're finding, wow, if we can find good nutrition and good products, things like that, that can help with that, that it, it, it affects your brain. But I I find it interesting that science is finally catching up to this notion that there's there's a connection between wisdom uh, and and knowledge and what you're eating, <laughs> right there um, at your nutritional state. Uh, that we're finally catching up to that and saying, oh, huh, what both Joseph Smith and Daniel told us a couple hundred years ago, a couple thousand years ago.
0: That's that's good stuff. Okay? <laughs> Seems like maybe someone was listening to the Lord. Yeah. You know, I used say this to my, to my seminary students all the time. I would say, you know, look, I know that we don't drink alcohol and it looks really fun to go to these parties and I I know it's great, but I'm telling you, I I know I'm only a 40 something year old, at the time I was, uh, old guy and, uh, you don't care what I say, but I've been where you are. I've seen this whole thing and I'm telling you the end of that road is zero. There's zero yeah. at the end of that road, yeah. you know, with the parties and the whatever, and we see that you talk about the epidemic. I mean, the, the drugs have gotten stronger and the addictions and, and all the things that are happening is worse and worse all the time. And there's just no good end to that road. There's no good yeah. end to that road. And you think you might, oh, I'm just, it's just a little bit. And I, I'll just do it now and I won't do this forever. Yeah, that's what every alcoholic and every drug addict started off with. I don't know if they all started. I mean, yeah. I don't know very many of them that said, you know, I'm going to go straight into this and try to get addicted and just ruin my life. That's what I'm going to go for. Yeah. I'll start it all started with the beginning of that road. And I'm telling you, um, if there's any young people listening, it's just, it's not worth it. I know I'm just an old guy. What do I know? But I've seen the beginning and the end of many stories um, that that uh, that started that way. It's just, stick with Daniel and and and, uh, and Azariah and Michelle. They know what they're yeah. talking about. Um, And I I don't
1: think you'll meet anyone even that has recovered from that. So that's a recovering alcoholic or recovering drug addict or something that so they've they've gotten themselves eventually to a good place. And a lot of them don't. But -hmm. even those who do would say, oh, I wish I had not gone to that place.
0: Oh, yeah. That was
1: not a good place to go. If I could do it over again, I would not go to that place.
0: (laughs) That's right. You know, me being a comedian, I've played in a lot of places that serve alcohol. Right. I'm around it all the time. And, uh, I I had a joke. I didn't really do it very much, but I had a joke that was kind of like, uh, um, I don't drink at all. And everybody's like, Oh, you're a pansy or you're what, you know? But then if I just started saying, no, I'm a recovering alcoholic, suddenly I was a hero. Hey, everybody don't mess with this guy. All right. All the sodas are on me. (laughs) Suddenly I was a hero (laughs) for overcoming it, but I was a pansy for not doing it. I don't know. I don't (laughs) know if it was the funniest joke ever, uh, that I ever did, but, uh, but it was just it was just kind of a funny way that people do it. People think that you're dumb if you haven't tried it, but then if you're overcoming it, everybody recognizes how hard it is to overcome it later and suddenly you're a good guy. So again, be a pansy. Just don't just don't go there. It's just not worth it. It's not worth yeah. the the time, the effort, the money, all that stuff that's involved. It's just not just not something you should do. Anyway, all right, so that's good. Anything else in chapter one that you wanna run over?
1: Oh, we could spend all day in all these chapters, but if we did we wouldn't get to any of the others, so we better <laughs> not.
0: Okay, so let's jump up to the next one because I, I want to get to at least Daniel three. I mean, we talked a little bit about the the whole scope of Daniel one through six, but I do want to get to uh, Daniel two, and then I want to talk specifically in Daniel three before we uh, before we end our session today. In in Daniel two, um, Nebuchadnezzar's dream. This is a, we talk about this all the time, and i I want you to I want to go over this again because we talked about it back when we were talking about um, uh, the the marvelous work and the wonder in isaiah and this is daniel's dream so if you if you haven't looked at daniel 2 yet this is the dream where he sees the the image of uh it's it's a statue basically yeah and it's the
1: king that sees it and then daniel has to have his own vision to see it himself right exactly
0: so nebuchadnezzar uh, by the way i don't even know if that's pronounced how would you actually say
1: uh, i i think that's as good as any i mean we're we're anglicizing it right so that's that's as good as anyway
0: I've heard of different pronunciations, but Nebuchadnezzar is what we'll go with for now. He sees this thing and this big image. It's a big, tall image, and it's made of different materials. There's gold and brass, and and iron, and then mixed materials. There's clay and iron together. And he sees this, and he, no one can interpret it for him. And uh, and finally, someone says Daniel can interpret it for you. He can he can tell you what it means. And we get this. So, Carrie, take us through. What do you find in that? what do we need to know about this? I mean, we know a little bit about it represents the different kingdoms. But oftentimes yeah. we, we talk about this and we, we apply it to our own day. which again, like you said many times, these things will play, apply to your day, but they have application in the time that they are written primarily, right?
1: Yeah, so Daniel at least gives him the interpretation that um, uh, that some of this represents him and what's going on uh, with him. Uh, so... Nebuchadnezzar, you mean? Yeah, yeah, with Nebuchadnezzar, thank you, yeah, yeah, to be more clear. Um, so, uh, he, if we're looking in chapter 2, say, verse uh, 39, so, well, verse 38, he says, Thou art this head of gold. So, we've got pretty solid interpretation on that one, that the head represents um, the Babylonian Empire. Uh, yeah, and then there and after thee shall arise time. another kingdom inferior to thee, and another third kingdom of brass, which shall bear rule over all the earth, and a fourth kingdom shall be strongest iron. So it's clear that these represent kingdoms, right? I, I mean, there's there's no doubt about that, and kingdoms that come one after the other. I find it interesting, and this may just be what he has to say to make the king happy, that he'll say that the next empire is inferior to his, because in most ways you could measure an empire it's it's uh, the Persian empire is not inferior to the Babylonian empire but anyway I don't know how exactly what uh what uh value we're uh measuring to see whether it's superior or inferior but anyway exactly
0: so, and maybe maybe Daniel's being nice like eh, it's yeah it's gonna be less than yours no don't worry about it you're the you're the goal <laughs> yeah,
1: man, I think you probably do have to tell the king that don't worry, you're, you're the very best. You're the top of everything that you're ever the gold will be. And everybody else.
0: Yeah. Okay,
1: <laughs> you just say what you got to say. So um, but typically, the way we would in, interpret this the way that most people interpret this, and uh, President Kimball once mentioned some of this in a talk, I don't know that he was saying prophetically, he, it, this is how it is, but he at least didn't disagree with it. Um, that you'd have the, the gold head is the Babylonian Empire. And then that uh, silver-like torso as the the Persian Empire, and then you get the the brass part, and that's probably the Hellenistic era, right? Starting with uh, Alexander the Great, and you get this this Hellenistic or Greek uh, mm-hmm. empires, the Ptolemies and the Seleucids, and so on. Um, and then you get the Roman Empire, which is probably the the iron, and then you get the iron and clay, and that may be, you know, the Roman Empire actually divides into two, and you get the Eastern and the Western, and we always talk about Western Rome because that's kind of uh, cultural descendant Europe and, and America are cultural descendants of that, but actually the Eastern Roman empire in, in uh, Constantinople, which becomes uh, Byzantium, uh, which becomes Istanbul. Anyway, the same place, just different names. Um, uh, well, actually Byzantium was, was Byzantine as its original name. Anyway, um, it's probably the stronger of the two. For a very, very, very long time. Uh, really, the Crusades might be where that changes. But um, in any case, you've got this divided uh, part. And a lot of people think of that as the legs are two different parts. Right. And then you get the iron and clay, which are all sorts of little kingdoms that flow out of that. And a lot of people think of that as Europe and um, all the things that come as those uh, uh, two parts of the Roman Empire fall apart. Um so that's the way that at least the statue, I mean, we've got the, the next part that I, I know you want to talk about. And so I'll let you start out on that. But uh, the, the, the statue, that's how we often interpret it. And it, it makes good sense. Does it mean there aren't other possible interpretations? No, but I, I think it, it makes a lot of sense. It's very Eurocentric um, way of interpreting this, but <laughs> it, it, it works fairly well because at least in terms of Babylon, that is the succession of empires that are controlling that area of the world. it it says nothing about what's happening in Asia. Right. But it it talks about it in terms of the Babylonian king and his empire and what will happen to that. That's a good interpretation.
0: Excellent. And I I had this, the reason why this made it, you know, the scriptures are real. I had this discussion with uh, someone of another faith and they were talking about this and uh, I think he was kind of testing me. He's like, you know what this means? I was like, oh sure. It means, uh, you know, the, the different kingdoms and, Oh, yeah, yeah, and, uh, and then I said, well, "What about the stone that's cut without hands? Stone that's cut from the mount without hands?" And he's just sort of like didn't didn't really know much about that, or I, if he didn't, I don't know if he didn't know about it, but he just didn't focus on that. I'm like, "That's the important part. The important part is the stone that is cut forth, that comes and smashes the statue and takes everything. What's the stone? Now, in our church, obviously we talk about this is the restoration, but it's really." more to do with Christ than just the... Now, it has to do with the church as far as the church is based on Christ, but this is Christ that comes through, who is the rock, who is the foundation of everything. It is Christ that comes forward and smashes all these things and and sets up an everlasting kingdom. Now, we oftentimes refer to this, well, this is the, the, the church that comes and fills the whole earth. Well, yes, in so much that it is based on Christ's church and it is Christ's church that covers the whole earth. But it has to do specifically with Christ. It's not just the restoration of the church in our day. This is this is Jesus. This is the Rock, and then we're founded on the Rock, and then the Rock takes over the world. But we kind of skip over that. We're like, oh yeah, we got the Babylon and the Persian and the and the Roman Empire, and then there's all the European ones, and then America comes, and ah, okay, that does have application, yes. But the primary application is this is Jesus that comes and establishes His church first, and yeah. that is the Rock that is cut forth without hands, and then. Yeah. Of course, and eventually
1: work. the kingdom of god triumphs over everything else
0: oh yeah exactly so by the time we get to the feet of clay that feet of clay can can stretch all the way from the western and eastern uh you know europe like you're talking about the eastern orthodox and the west it can go all the way that all the way to you know the the feet cover a lot more time than the other pieces covers what i'm saying yeah and uh but we have a interesting thing there so um we just need to make sure that we're, we're focusing on Christ. This is, of course, Christ's uh, uh, church that comes in and takes over everything and is established, and all the rest of the the uh, the kingdoms are are like nothing because it's nothing to nothing compared to the kingdom that that uh, that that Christ uh, establishes. So anyway, that's an interesting thing, and I, I think that we gloss over that right away. Again, we you mentioned it in many of your other ones where. Yes, we should apply these things to ourselves and to our day. That's great. But they have a primary interpretation in the time that they're done. And this is looking forward to the Savior, first and foremost. And then his kingdom later that comes uh, in our day. Yes, it does come. And we'll be establishing all the way through the millennium. So we have a very long time horizon from here on out. But it's Christ that we focus on first.
1: That's very good. That's very good. And I would say in some ways, I I find it interesting that you see the stone that's cut out of the mountains without hands. And that it, it it starts rolling. It takes a while, right? So, in in some ways, that's I mean, you can make an argument that in some ways that's Christ and what He does with the apostles, because that starts something that will be restored in our day. Mm-hmm. But in some ways, you can argue that that it's that restoration is maybe that's one that's cut out. Right? I don't know, but but the point is, it takes a while before this big rolling stone comes and fills everything, and we're in the middle of that process still
0: excellent yes it does take a little bit a little while the, the, the events have to unfold and i guess we here on earth need to learn a few things over a few thousand years get ourselves yeah. situated okay let's move on to, to to uh to uh chapter three and this is i uh, i think we've, we've already gone a good long time now so maybe we'll end on this part for today like i said we've already kind of covered uh uh, covered the, the stories of Daniel and, and of course there's other good stories the lion's den is, is great but this this one has a particular application to me I think in, in Daniel 13 and in yeah. Daniel 13 or 3 um, I'm, sorry, <laughs> I'm sorry Daniel 13 uh, Daniel 3 and uh, and I'm going to start in verse um, let's see uh, so in, in verse 13 is where I was getting at it's 313 this is Nebuchadnezzar is angry because they have set up uh the the king has put out a a decree that they have to worship um whenever you hear the harp or the psaltery or these different instruments you have to basically when the when their national anthem is played everybody has to bow down to this particular image that uh, that the king has set up and um, we don't know
1: if it's the national anthem they just say uh no that's me just when saying they hear anthem, the sound of the cornet the flute the harp the sackbut but psaltery and bills we don't even know what in the world all those are a bunch of musical instruments <laughs> right, right? anyway yeah so yeah, it not, might be so
0: it doesn't say that the national, national anthem i'm just saying that that's kind of like how i see it in my head oh that's right right that's how you know whenever you see hear these things everybody has to immediately recognize the greatness of this god and is represented by this particular image and um and it seems like the uh the the other people in the court are trying to set up uh, um, Daniel and and well uh, particularly um, Azariah Hananiah and Mishael uh, and they're like hey did you see these guys they're not they're not worshiping your statue they're not doing it I'm telling on them yeah. and uh, and so the the king Nebuchadnezzar is is kind of stuck he's already decreed this and he can't go back on his own decree he's got to do it. So he calls these guys in and is like, how come you're not doing this? And you got to do this. And they say, no, we're not going to do that. We're not going to, we're not going to follow along. We, our, our God demands this of us and we will not uh, turn from that. So in verse 17, um, well, uh, uh, verse 16, I'm going to go here. And, and this is their, their uh, Babylonians. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said, um, O King Nebuchadnezzar, we are, not, we are not careful to answer in this matter. Um, so he, they're saying, uh, uh, we're gonna tell you straight out this is, yeah. this is what we think. If it so be, our God who who we serve will be able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. Because I should say that if you haven't read this, they're gonna get thrown into a furnace. If you don't, if you don't, rip, you know, turn to my God and, and, and do what I'm telling you, throwing you in this furnace. And they said, Well, I'm gonna tell you straight. I'm sorry, we're not gonna do that. Our, our God is gonna be able to deliver us from the fiery furnace and bring us out of the can. But here's the key. Verse 18, but if not, be it known to thee, O king, we will not serve thy gods nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. And this is an interesting, but if not, this is one of the few times yeah. in scripture where you see um, a, a, a two different ways. You know, a lot of times you see people say, you know, well, our, my king will protect me, and, and he does, or he doesn't. Whatever. But he says, our king, will prote- our, our our God will protect us. But if not, it's not because he can't. Because uh, we're not going to do it anyway. We're going to do it, and if he has other yeah. plans for us, that's that's so be it. Um, and this is an interesting thing. This is uh, I I've heard several different talks about this before. Um, I know um, uh, Elder Maxwell gave a talk in 1985. Um, I have a little note in my scriptures here with the different talks that have been given on this exact subject. Um, uh, Elder Lance uh, Wickham of the Seventy. October 2012, uh, sorry 2002, and then Dennis Simmons, uh, April 2004, also talks about this. And I'm, I, it seems to me, and I, maybe someone can find this in the comments below and, and put it down there. It seems to me I've heard this even in recent general conferences. Someone has said this, um, and so please help help us out and find that reference for us. But someone else has referred to this, but if not, and I think this is key this is key to us in our life. I think that we think that things should should turn out a certain way. We think that we're living the scriptures or we're living the the gospel a certain way and that we are owed a particular amount of protection or blessings or whatever. And that may be, we may get that blessing. We may be preserved miraculously, or we may have whatever. Sometimes it doesn't work out that way, but it doesn't mean that God can't do these things. It means that there's a different way. And I think of a couple of, references from scriptures maybe you have your own but i mean i think about the uh the anti-nephi lehi's there's many of them that are slaughtered they're like we're not going to fight we've made a covenant we're not going to do this and they get whacked and that's terrible and abenadi later on abenadi um gives a great thing and they throw them in the fire anyway and there's lots of people that get get thrown even in in more modern times we have some massacres that happen to the saints that we don't think deserve it and like why do they deserve they didn't deserve that they should should have been miraculously preserved. And I think that this is a, a key thing. Sometimes it's a but if not. And I would re- I recommend that you read those talks from, um, or you can watch them if you go to the uh, video parts on uh, on uh, the, the church website, look at Elder uh, uh, Maxwell's talk and those other talks about but if not, they can say it far better than I can. And I think that's a great lesson for us that sometimes things don't work out, but it doesn't mean that we should diminish our faith because
1: of. I, I can't, can't agree more. I mean, maybe it's worth just reading maybe two paragraphs from Elder Maxwell's talk, uh, oh, yeah. which is called willing to submit. Uh, and that's, that's his, really his point he makes here. So one paragraph, we have been given three special words, but if not by three submissive young men who entered their fiery furnace, knowing our God is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace but if not, be it known unto the o king that we will not serve that God's. So we'll skip a, a, a paragraph and, and go down and, and read. It is only by yielding to God that we can begin to realize his will for us. And if we truly trust God, why not yield to his loving omniscience? After all, he knows us and our possibilities much better than do we. And and I just, I mean, Elder Maxwell had such a great way of saying things, but um, I think that's just so profound that, that that's, and I agree a hundred percent with what you're you're saying. What a lesson to learn from them! They 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 knew he could. They didn't know if he would, and it didn't matter to them. They were going to do it the right way, whether God protected them in this life or that protection came in the next. They were they were following God's will.
0: I think that is uh, one of the best um, examples in scriptures or demonstrations of, of faith in scriptures. Because it's great to be rescued, but it's also- also great to know that even if you're not it doesn't doesn't affect you. Uh, yeah. we all want to have a miraculous rescue. We want to we want the blessings uh, from God and we should. We should we should, you know, Elder Nol or President Nelson has uh told us we should uh, expect miracles if we do certain things. Okay, that's great. Mm-hmm. Um but just don't be so caught up that you know the right way about things. Sometimes yeah. you don't know what the end of that road is or what the Lord has in store and you know the anti-leaf I there was Many of them that were killed, but the testimony converted more than them were killed. So, you know, yeah. maybe that's a that's a miracle in itself. So, anyway, I just think this is a great thing. We skip over these three little words. I don't know if we skip over them, but I don't know if people give them the due that they're. I think they deserve that. Of all the, the sections of scripture, I like just the, the way these three young men. Uh, you know, he the Lord will preserve us. They're facing a king who's all powerful in their minds and and in their their world. He's all powerful. He's like, no, we're not going to do it, and our God's going to save us. But if He doesn't, we're going to do it anyway. <laughs> yeah. We're still going to follow Him. We're still going to follow our God, and we're not going to lose faith in that. I think that's fantastic. That's, that's a great story. That's that's kind of where I wanted to end on today. What do you uh, What do you want to add to that?
1: I want to add, Amen and Hallelujah. <laughs> all
0: right. Well, that's great. Well, anyway, that's the that's Daniel um, one through six, and again with Daniel and the lions den is in in six and. We can, you can read that, and it's, it's a, all another great faith. It's very similar to this one. Oh, and by the way, the end of the story in this one is here in case you haven't read it yet and don't know this they stoked that furnace as hot as it can go. And they say seven times. And again, we know the, the, the term seven may not actually mean seven, it may mean just the, the top, the tip, tippity top, however high it can go. It's, it's, they've, they've stoked it as hot as it can be. And, and even two, a couple of guys even die just trying to get them close to the furnace. So the so the story says, and they're thrown in there and, uh, and they don't die. And in fact, they see someone likened to the son of God, it says here, or the son of God's is they might've said, but anyway, do you think that was Jesus in there or do you think it was a, a ministering angel or do we know?
1: Uh, I
0: don't know that we know. I, I,
1: the way it's written suggests it's the Messiah it's, it's the savior, but, uh, it's not conclusive, and in the end, I don't know how much of a difference if it's not him, it's someone that represents him, so it's as if it was him and right uh he represents the father, so it's as if it was the father, so uh not a not a lot of i, I I'm curious too, but uh <laughs> since I don't know, I'll just have to be satisfied with saying yeah, it doesn't matter,
0: but they do have a great th- their faith is rewarded, they are preserved and uh and um, Heavenly messenger at, at the very minimum, and, and maybe even the Messiah himself comes and and visits them, and and they see them walking around in the fire, and even the king's like, oh, well, all right, you guys got me. Uh Your God is great. I'm gonna I'm gonna pay attention to you guys, and and come on out of that fire, and and they're not touched at all, no singe. They don't even smell like fire. Yeah. I mean, I can't go to a, a you know a scout camp out and not smell like fire. They don't even yeah. smell like fire. Yeah. So. They, so they, could, worried, they, worried. they could have roasted
1: their marshmallows and not had campfire
0: smell. <laughs> That'd have been a good story too. Well, anyway, um, it's a fantastic story, and uh, but I really like the, that that that, uh, that thought that um, the Lord may have other plans for us, but uh, we'll just press forward, expecting the best, uh, hoping for the best, and um, and that's what uh, that's that's the best our faith can can demand of us. Amen. All right. Great to see you again. I will see you again uh, whenever else we connect. Uh Great to be with you as always, Carrie. And uh, thanks so much for joining us on The Scriptures Are Real. Hope you got something out of this, and I hope you can like and subscribe and whatever it is that this platform will allow you to do to share it with other people that they also might be able to get something out of this. Thanks again for joining